Today is Wednesday, August the 17th, 2022, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. On today's show, the position at preview series rolls on as I break down the Gamecocks wide receivers heading in the 2022 football season. First things first, we'll look back at how the ball catchers fared a season ago. Also, we'll meet the wide receivers and talk most to prove best overall. Season will be successful if, and I'll give my overall grade for the units, as well. Also, news and notes to get into that include the preseason AP Top 25 poll being released, an opening line for South Carolina, Georgia State. Also, details on Gamecocks and Tigers on the hardwood. And finally, did Kentucky head coach Mark Stoops actually take a shot at Shane Beamer? All that and more. Also, guys, we have your listener questions and a fantastic conversation with Tim Hill. You might recall him from his days at 107.5 The Game. We talk about that. Also, we look ahead to this season, his thoughts on Gamecocks football, and much, much more from there. Folks, we have got a packed show for you here on this Wednesday. And of course, as always, it's brought to you by our friends over at Red Fox Roofing. Guys, Red Fox Roofing is a family-owned and operated residential roofing company born and raised in the Carolinas. They're proud South Carolina Gamecock fans servicing the local Columbia, Charleston, and most of the surrounding areas. They also offer free inspections for storm damage, free same-day estimates for full roof replacements and roof certifications for people getting ready to sell their homes. Also, guys, they know how important shingle quality is when it comes to your roof. That's why they use Atlas Shingles, which is the only shingle manufacturer on the market who's partnered with 3M and has a Scotch Guard protection on their shingles. They offer a lifetime algae-resistant warranty that your roof will never have those ugly black streaks from algae buildup. Guys, when it comes to the best possible pricing, they've got you covered. Red Fox Roofing is willing to be any written estimate and allows financing as well. They service every home as if it was theirs, and their attention to detail and customer service is truly what sets them apart. Guys, simply put, they always leave it better than they found it. Give them a call today at 843-364-3023. That's 843-364-3023 for all of your roofing needs. You can also find them on Facebook at Red Fox Roofing, or if you have any questions, go to their website at redfoxroof.com. That's redfoxroof.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
buddy, things are heating up. We got coaches talking shit to each other. We got fans going at one another on social media. Everything's ratcheting up. The emotions are flying. That's got to mean one thing and one thing only, folks. Kickoff is just around the corner. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show as always, and we have got a packed show for you here on this Wednesday. Guys, again, I hope this show does find you out. I'm going to where you are, what you are doing. Very excited to chat with each and every single one of you. we got a lot to get into. Before we do, really quickly, guys, a couple of quick updates. Of course, tonight, episode two of Welcome Home South Carolina Football does air tonight, guys. We will be streaming it live in the Big Cock Club Discord. So if you do not have ESPNU and you want to watch Episode two tonight live. You can do so. Join the Patreon. Join the Big Cock Club. Patreon.com slash Big Cock Club. And then you will be granted access to our Discord. Again, they have a BCC hangout or a hangout type channel, if you will, where we can stream. We can talk amongst one another. We can chit chat, whatever it might be. And we're going to be using this a lot, too, once like basketball season gets going and, and baseball season. And we'll be watching games together and all that good stuff. But again, guys, I say this. If you don't have ESPNU and you want to watch it, Joining the Big Cock Club is, number one, a lot more awesome, and number two, it's way cheaper than signing up and getting cable and uh, paying to get ESPNU through your cable provider. So, again, guys, if you want to join that, patreon.com slash Club, you can and get access to our Discord and thus effectively watch Welcome Home South Carolina Football Episode 2 tonight. Of course, we'll all be tuned in and locked into that. Really excited. And hopefully Episode 2 has got a little bit more substance in episode one. I felt like episode one, of course, we talked last week, was kind of on the lighter side, but, you know, kind of expected that with the first episode. Excited to see if they get into some fall camp stuff on the episode tonight. Also, guys, quick reminder, the TSUS tour continues tomorrow night at Carolina Ale House in Augusta, Georgia. Hope to see all of my CSRA Gamecocks out there, guys. I urge you to come out if you're in the area. Everything will get going at 6 o'clock. We'll do a Q&A around 7 or 7.30. Of course, guys, I will have the towels and the koozies on sale on location at Carolina Ale House in Augusta, Georgia. But again, guys, really, really excited. Of course, this one hits home for me literally because I'm from the CSRA, specifically North Augusta, South Carolina. So I'm going to have a lot of family, a lot of friends I know out there. And again, cannot wait to kick it with you guys. Full details are on social media, but really excited. Again, everything gets going tomorrow night at 6 o'clock at Carolina Ale House in Augusta, Georgia for the TSUS Tours. Again, this is one of our last, what, three dates. We've got this one, and then next week we've got Woodruff Road, and then the following week, guys, it'll be game week, and we'll be at Carolina Ale House in Harbison on that Tuesday. I mean, it's crazy, guys. We are right around the corner. I mean, it's almost here. Game week is practically here as we just have 17 days until toe meets leather at williams Bryce Stadium. Cannot wait, guys. On that note, let's go ahead and dive into it, guys, as we continue along the 2022 Position Unit Preview Series as we talk the Gamecocks wide receivers heading into the 2022 football season. This one's fun because it's funny. Growing up, arguably my favorite position on the football field was wide receiver, right? I grew up watching guys like Troy Williamson and Sidney Rice. And if you listen to my content long enough, you know I got a lot of love and admiration for the wide receiver position because even with some of the struggles over our history right of South Carolina football, we've had some fantastic 
wide receivers. Again, I mentioned Troy Williamson. You talk about Sterling Sharp. You talk about Sidney Rice. You talk about Alshon. You talk about Kenny McKinley, Debo Samuel, Brian Edwards. I mean, the list truly goes on and on and on and on when it comes to great pass catchers. So really excited to talk about this group and a really intriguing group going in this 2022 season. Guys, before we look ahead to this year's unit, let's look back at how these guys fared a season ago. And it was really interesting, right? This was one of those positions that we were really concerned about because there was no wide receiver one. There was nobody that was proven, guys. You remember last year coming back, we were like, who's going to be the number one guy? You got a couple of dudes who are four-star prospects who nobody was really proven. And thank goodness for us all that Josh Van did emerge as that wide receiver one. And it was very evident early that he was going to be the guy. You look at his season last year, 43 catches for 679 yards, 15.8 yards per catch, and five touchdowns. He averaged 52.2 yards per game on the season. And again, it was evident from week one that he was going to be your number one option, right? We all had high hopes, certainly. Again, the, the, the former four-star recruit from Tucker, Georgia, we all had high hopes and were thinking that he might break through. But it was just great to see finally, you know, with Shane Beamer coming in and, and him playing him playing his best football. You know, I think we all believe that uh, Josh Van always had that in there, but maybe was not put in the best possible positions to be successful. And certainly you saw that talent come out last year. Outside of that, beyond Josh Van, guys, it was a bit of a struggle. And, of course, he returns this year as your leading pass catcher. But you look, guys, back at last year and who comes back behind him. To carry on Joyner, who had only 221 yards receiving last year. You go beyond that, Jalen Brooks, whose season was cut short, 181 yards receiving. Amarian Brown, 104 yards receiving. So, as you see, guys, there's not a whole lot of returning production. Now, how much of that do you blame on the offensive line. How much of that do you blame on the quarterback struggles? I think you have to keep that in mind and be fair to these wide receivers and what they had to deal with a season ago. But guys, like I mentioned, Josh Van was wide receiver one. Jalen Brooks, his season gets cut short due to off the field issues. To carry on Joyner, I thought, who really for a lot of the season, I mean, he was your wide receiver three a lot of the time, but he just struggled to find any sort of consistency. And really, he did not make an impact on that season last year until the bowl game. And then Amari and Brown made me look like a damn fool last year because all preseason long, I was hyping this guy up as wide receiver one. This is going to be the guy, you know, coming from Georgia Tech. He, he set the freshman record for receiving touchdowns. I really thought, you know, Amari and Brown's going to shine. He's going to be the dude. And sure enough, he just never lived up to any of the sort of the height that I gave him. Guys, he had just 11 catches for 104 yards, 9.5 yards per catch, and did not catch a touchdown pass. And really, a lot of his impact came in the bowl game. So for the most of the season, he was a non-factor. Um, but again, a tough year last year. You blame some of it also. Lack of personnel, but also on the offensive line, the revolving door quarterback, you would like to think maybe some of those things have been fixed, have been resolved. And also what I did not mention looking back at last year was what some of these newcomers did at their old stops. Antoine Wells, for example, being a record-setting receiver at James Madison. Corey Rucker being a standout freshman at Arkansas State. So again, that's part of the storyline that maybe will not get mentioned because they were not a part of this team a season ago. With that being said, guys, let's meet the receivers for the 2022 football season. We will start with the junior transfer from James Madison, Antoine Wells Jr. Then you have redshirt senior to carry on Joyner, fifth-year Josh Van, senior Amarian Brown, fifth-year Jalen Brooks, junior Corey Rucker, senior Xavier Leggett, redshirt sophomore Ben Rollins, freshman Kyla Horton, redshirt freshman Eric Rice, freshman DJ Black, 
Redshirt freshman Aaron Morton, freshman Landon Sampson, redshirt sophomore Peyton Mangrum, redshirt freshman Joseph Morris, and finally redshirt freshman Omega Blake. So a lot of freshmen in that room. It's a bit of a young room, but really the attention all falls on Josh Van and your newcomers from the transfer portal. With that being said, guys, let's move to most approved, best overall season will be successful if, then I'll lock in my overall grade and I mention those newcomers, Antoine Wells Jr. from James Madison, Corey Rucker from Arkansas State, and then a slew of other guys. And I know what the overall feeling and vibe from Gamecock Nation is, that this room will be much improved, that there are weapons all over the field. And by the way, let me also mention, you did not hear Jaheim Bell's name listed. I am grouping Jaheim Bell with the tight ends because he is listed on this roster as a tight end. I understand he's going to play outside a lot. He's going to be all over the offense, but I am going to group him with tight ends for the sake of these conversations. But when it comes to most to prove for this group, all of the hype, and all of the excitement, and deservedly so, has been around this guy, Antoine Wells, coming over from James Madison. And guys, you look at his numbers a season ago, I mean, they are absolutely incredible. As I'm getting them pulled up now, this dude was a record setter at the FCS level, right? A record setter at that level, explosive. You look at his film, he jumps off the page. He jumps off the page, no doubt set a single-season receptions record with 83, a single-season receiving touchdowns record with 15, and a single-season receiving yards record with 1,250. That was starting all 14 games at receiver just as a redshirt freshman. He was FCS second-team All-American as well. Again, this guy has every single accolade in the book. He had six games of at least 100 receiving yards and eight games of at least 75. He scored two or more touchdowns in five games. He had five or more catches, guys, in 10 games and had four catches of at least 40 yards. Those accolades are fantastic, but guys, James Madison ain't the SEC. And I don't give a damn how well you did at that level. There's a transition. Now, listen, I understand there's a lot of hype and a lot of excitement coming out of Gamecocks camp, be it back in the spring, over the summer, and now about how good Antoine Wells is. Hey, there's some people that even want to argue Antoine Wells is better than Josh Van. I think that's a little bit too aggressive and too much too soon. However, there's no denying that the upside and the potential for Antoine Wells is there. Heck, Phil Steele had Antoine Wells on his preseason All-SEC team. So obviously, obviously there's something to this guy. Obviously, there's a little bit more than just fabricated hype from this Gamecocks fan base. With that being said, when you put those type of expectations, some people labeling him already as wide receiver one, that is a lot to live up to. So again, when we're talking most to prove, the guy that you look at and say, okay, you got all these hype, you got all these expectations. Now, what are you going to do with it? Antoine Wells Jr. is the guy. But again, guys, it's a good thing. There are high expectations because there's a lot of hype around the guy, deservedly so because what he did his last stop. But again, he's not going to face the defensive backs he was facing every single week at, at J uh, James Madison, right? I think we can all agree with that. It's going to be a different level of competition. How quickly can he adjust to the SEC game how quickly does he adjust to the SEC speed? I think he's more than capable of doing so. We all want to believe, but the bottom line is this. Zero. That's the key number. Zero catches in the Southeastern Conference. Zero touchdowns and zero yards. What type of splash 
does he make? So again, my most approved, tons of upside, tons of potential, still a question mark. Antoine Wells Jr., what does he do and can he live up to the hype? Let's talk about best overall. And I just really feel like, guys, and I understand, anytime you get the shiny new toy, right, that's what everybody wants to focus on. Everybody wants to look at, oh, look at this new guy. We got it happens with quarterbacks, with skill position players. Doesn't matter who it is, right? You forget what you have, and you look at the shiny new toy, right? And I don't blame you, and I understand why it happens. But, damn it, can we stop for a moment and put some respect on Josh Van's name for what he did last year? Because this dude, again, 679 receiving yards, 15.8 yards per catch, and led this team or was tied to the lead with five touchdowns on an offense that didn't know who its quarterback was. Week to week was changing out QBs, and this dude still found a way to ball out and be productive. Now, you look at that, you translate that over, and now he's got a guy like Spencer Rattler throwing to him. Again, guys, it very well may turn out that Antoine Wells is the number one option and that he's a better receiver. And I look at those two guys as 1A and 1B. But I'll go ahead and give you the spoiler. When my depth chart comes out, I'm going to have Josh Van listed as wide receiver one. And I think it's because he has earned that right. Until Antoine Wells shows me on the field an actual game that he is the number one option, Josh Van has earned that. And I feel like for whatever reason, Josh Van is sort of this forgotten guy. You know, you look at last year, and he's a former four-star prospect for a reason. You look at last year, the hands were really good, the athleticism, the route running, everything. Again, I really thought I loved seeing Josh Van come into his own because this was a guy I said for years, this is his breakout season. This is his breakout season. He's going to shine. He's going to ball. And it just, for whatever reason, never happened. You get a new coach, you get a new staff, get a new system, and you get Justin Stepp in there, which shout out to him. Kudos to Justin Stepp. The dude is one of the best, if not the best, assistant coach on this staff. He got the most, and he tapped that potential that was Josh Van and had been sitting in there forever for his first couple of years in Columbia. So I just think this again. 1A, 1B, however you want to list Van and Wells, what have you. But I'm going with the guy that's actually done it in SEC play. I'm going with the guy that is your leading returning receiver. I think right now, as we sit today, he is wide receiver one. And again, my best overall going into this year. And I cannot wait to see what this dude can do. I think this is obviously his money year. We all know Josh Van has a child. He came back when he could have went to the draft. He came back to improve his draft stock and be even better than he was a season ago. I cannot wait to see what this dude does. Going to be really exciting. He became one of the most lethal deep threats in the SEC a season ago. I think certainly he can build on that and be even better. Maybe, just maybe, he can be a thousand yard guy. I mean, I just look at it again. If you can have almost 700 yards with that mess at quarterback you had a season ago, I don't see any reason why he can't be a 1,000 yard guy with Spencer Rattler throwing in the football. So, again, guys, my best overall and currently for me, hate it if you want, my wide receiver one, Josh Van. Let's talk season will be successful if. What will spell a successful season for the Gamecocks pass catchers in 2022? Because, again, you got Spencer Rattler throwing to you. That alone is going to improve this group. I'm excited for Josh Van and what he's going to be this year, if you cannot tell. Um, and a lot of, you know, when you talk about the depth chart and you talk about the guys you're going to be depending on, you know, what is the carry-on joiner going to give you? What's Jalen Brooks going to give you? What is Xavier Leggett going to give you? What's even a guy like Amarian Brown going to give you? We've seen them before. A lot of the pressure is falling on Antoine Wells Jr. and Corey Rucker. Again, two guys that have accolades, they have hype, they have high expectations. 
For me, guys, I think all the players I mentioned before them, the the joiners of the world, the Brooks of the world, the Leggetts of the world, the Omega Blakes of the world, whatever, I think they'll all be solid. But a lot of the success of this room really depends on these guys living up to the hype. So for me, guys, the season will be successful if the transfer portal newcomers live up to the hype, simply put, right? If those guys don't pan out, and I don't even like speaking it into existence, but let's just say it happens, right? Let's just say they aren't quite as good as we thought, and the SEC really is just too much for them. Because, hey, I hate to say it, guys, but that's sort of what's happened with Jalen Brooks. You know, all the hype, all the expectations, all the – everybody went crazy when he signed. Look how fast he is. Look at this. But he came from Wingate, and he learned really quickly that Wingate ain't the SEC, right? And the numbers had just have not been there. And you look, guys, again, it's your leading returning receivers. If you want to go off, I, I don't give a damn about – hype and potential and all that bullshit you look at the numbers 221 yards receiving take away josh van take away jaheem bell your leading returning receiver from a year ago had 221 yards receiving and one touchdown right one jalen brooks had 181 yards receiving and one touchdown amarian brown had 104 yards receiving and zero touchdowns Outside of that, Rico Powers, who's not even here. Trey Atkins, no longer here. Or Trey Smith, no longer here. That's it. And then Peyton Mangrum had one catch for 44 yards and a touchdown that was on a trick play, on a fake punt. So you don't have a lot of returning options, especially returning options that are proven. So a lot of it falls, a lot of the pressure falls on these new guys. I mean, that's why you brought them in, to be big-time playmakers for you in the passing game. They have good seasons you're going to have a good season when it comes to that passing game. Because I think Josh Van, he's the known commodity. He will have a solid year. Whether he's wide receiver one or wide receiver two, we can argue about that if you want. But he will have a solid year, and he will be a dependable option, right? I think finding wide receiver three is another layer to this, right? Because I think it is 1A, 1B, Van and Wells. Who is that third option? But for me, the transfer guys just have to live up to the hype. They have to be the dudes you brought in them in to be. They have to be the dudes that you signed them to be. Wells, Corey Rucker, hey, you get all these accolades and everybody's looking at you. Now it's time to ball out. Can they transition to this SEC level of play quickly and become contributors, especially early on? Guys, let's talk the overall grade of the Gamecocks wide receivers. And I told you before, I'm a harsh grader. So I think my grade is going to be a little bit lower than some of yours. And I know some of you were pressed when I listed the running backs as a C plus. I think that was a very fair grade, by the way. I think that was a very fair grade. And I think this one is a very fair grade as well. And as I told you guys before, let me remind you, a lot of my grades is, guys, where does this unit stack up in the SEC, right? Where does the unit stack up in the SEC? Because let's just look at it this way. If Bama's an A and Vanderbilt's an F, right? Not everybody can be a B plus, right? There's got to be some teams that are down at the C minuses, at the D pluses, right? If we're grading on a true A through F scale, right? Not everybody's a B plus or an A minus or an A. So when I look at this receiver room, first thing, tons of upside and tons of potential, especially when you've got a Spencer Rattler tossing them the rock. That changes everything. That alone makes this group better, right? That alone makes this group better. And I will say this, my grade for this unit is almost not even indicative of how good the passing game will be because, again, 
It doesn't include Jaheim Bell, and it doesn't include Austin Stogner, who I think will be two big-time pass-catching options for you. Again, Friday's show, we will talk about tight ends. But strictly the wide receivers, okay? You know who wide receiver one or 1A or 1B or whatever. You know one of your most dependable options, Josh Van. That's a given. You feel like Antoine Wells Jr. is going to be 1A or 1B, wide receiver two, one of your top two pass-catching options. Outside of that, guys, what do we really know, right? It really goes with the theme of this football team. This position group goes with the theme of this team. And the theme of this team is there's a very high ceiling, right? There there are reasons. There are real on-field reasons to be excited when it comes to this football team and the guys you added, and the potential of some of these newcomers. So the ceiling's very high, but the floor, the floor is also dangerously low if things do not click and things do not work out, right? I'm not saying that guys like Jalen Brooks, I'm not saying guys like Xavier Leggett, I'm not saying guys like Eric Rice and Kylick Horton and and, and Amarian Brown, even Dak Joyner, right, who's one of the greatest mysteries on this football team of how they'll use him. I'm not saying there aren't some guys that can't do some nice things here and there and that that can't flash and that have potential. But in regards to consistent pass-catching options on an SEC level, on a week-in, week-out basis, there are not a lot of those guys. Like when you're thinking about the fact that DeCarion Joyner could be wide receiver three, guys, if that's the case, we are hurting at wide receiver. And I, I don't mean to slam Dak Joyner on this show, but – I think most all of you can agree tuned in that he's not an elite wide receiver. That's not his trade. He, that, that's not his strength, right? So there's a lot of potential. But there's a lot of questions. Will Antoine Wells and Corey Rucker live up to the hype and, and be contributors and big-time players at the SEC level? Is Jalen Brooks finally ready to contribute? Is Xavier Leggett ready to live up? Dude, I picked Xavier Leggett to be a breakout player for like three years in a row. Is he finally ready to break out? Where are the answers at that position? I, I think this is an improved group. Don't get me wrong. I still just don't view it as a very deep group. And for that reason, I'm grading the wide receivers at a B minus grade, which, guys, I will be totally honest with you, I think is kind. I, I, I think it's really, really kind. My good friend, Brett Cianci, a pick six previews. Now, granted, I think this is low, but just to give you an indication, guys, of what people think about this group, he's got the Gamecocks receivers and tight ends, which I think that's why I mostly disagree. He's got the Gamecocks receivers and tight ends bunched and ranked 12th. 12th out of 14 SEC teams. But this receiver room, even with the additions of Wells and Rutgers, not very highly thought of, guys. It's not. It's not. And I think it's better. I think the potential's there. I really do like Wells' game. I like Josh Van's game a lot. Corey Rucker, obviously, being on the Bolitnikoff Award watch list. He's got hype for good reason. But who are the other guys? Guys, who's wide receiver three? You know, who's wide receiver four? I'm not saying you're going to be running a bunch of five wide sets, but you're going to have to switch some guys in and out. So guys like Jalen Brooks, Dak Joyner, Xavier Leggett, Amarian Brown, they're going to have to have good seasons. You can't have these 100-yard receiving or 200-yard receiving seasons again. Who's ready to step up and live up to the hype? Same thing sort of with the running back room. Hey, a lot of talent you feel like. There's potential, but it's all question marks. Uh, until we see it on the field, guys, it's question mark after question mark after question mark. And yet again, I hate to sound like a broken record, 
but it almost kind of feels like there are more question marks than there are answers right now with this group. So again, I'm giving them a B minus, which I, I think is, I think it's very fair. I think it's damn near generous. I will say, though, I love Josh Van's game. I think he's extremely underrated when it comes to SEC pass catchers. I think he's underrated on his own team. I like Antoine Wells Jr. I do think he's going to be a big-time contributor for you. Um, you saw it in the spring game. They want to get him the football on a consistent basis. You know, I, I feel confident about Corey Rucker. Bringing him in from Arkansas State, I feel confident that a Morgan Brown will take a step forward now that he doesn't have to be looked at as maybe, are you going to be wide receiver one? He doesn't have to be looked at as one of those top guys. I, beyond that, man, I, I just, I'm confident in Justin Stepp that he will do his damnedest to develop this group and get the most out of them. But you're still looking to flip this room in regards to get better options. You, you're just looking to upgrade the talent. That The only way some of the question marks in this room get solved is through recruiting and, and finding top-notch players. Hey, maybe one of these freshmen step up. Maybe one of these youngsters step up and become a big-time player for you. But right now, a B-minus, that's where I have them. Kick and scream all you want. But there just are not a lot of proven commodities in this room right now. Doesn't mean that's where they're going to be at the end of the season. But right now, a B-minus, that is my grade. So, guys, that is my breakdown of the wide receivers going in the 2022 football season. We'd love to hear your thoughts. How do you feel about the Gamecocks pass catchers heading into this year? Guys, let's get into some news and notes really quickly. Some interesting developments over the week. First things first, the preseason AP Top 25 did drop on Monday. Of course, no surprise, Gamecocks were not ranked in the Top 25. I would not have South Carolina in my preseason Top 25. And really, guys, what does or what do these preseason polls really matter? Uh, absolutely nothing. However, it was interesting. Gamecocks received two votes. They were ranked 43rd, okay, behind teams such as Auburn, Florida, North Carolina, Appalachian State, Tennessee. I would just say this, guys, again, it does not matter. You want respect. You got to go earn it. You want respect. You got to go earn it. Bottom line, go win some games. Go beat Arkansas week two. Then you'll get a little bit of respect. But it's interesting to see where South kind of falls. 43rd was about where I'd expect. I mean, it, nothing crazy. It, it's kind of about where I would expect. I thought South kind of might be ranked 35th to 40th, but 43rd doesn't really shock me. Um, guys, South kind of also opens up a 12-point favorite against Georgia State, which is not really surprising because earlier this summer, we saw this line open up at 11. So I'm not totally stunned that it's at this 12 number. Um, I know many of you look at that and say, Chris, hammer it. Hammer it. Right? Hammer, <laughs> hammer, hammer the line, baby. Hammer the cocks. Um, I will give, I'll just say this. I will give my best bet, and we'll be doing full SEC gambling picks. Um, against the spread, by the way, in case you missed it, that runyourpool.com. There's no under over-under totals. You got to pick it against the line. You got to pick it against the spread. Uh, so you you guys will know exactly where I sit on that. But a really interesting number. Vegas is giving a lot of credit. What are they doing? Are they giving vague? Are they giving credit to Georgia State, or do they not think South Carolina is going to be very good? Or, or maybe it's a mix of both. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, also, guys, men's hoops on the hardwood. South Carolina Clemson is set for November the 11th. The non-conference schedule drop. Really interesting that. The game is set so early in the fall, which it's crazy, guys. It's the night before, in case you missed this, it's the night before South Carolina takes on Florida 
in Gainesville. So really interesting at Colonial Life Arena. Um, the first time I think it's they said it's the second time only ever these two teams have played in the month of November, and it's the first time since 2013 they played in the month of November. Normally this game is like December the 18th, but it's great that stu- I-, I will say I'm happy that students will be on campus for this. That is awesome. So South Carolina Clemson, that hoops is set, and the entire non-conference slate set as well. And finally, guys, this this clip circulated on Twitter yesterday, late yesterday. Mark Stoops, did he take a shot at Shane Beamer? Because apparently this clip came out the day after Beamer spoke at SEC Media Days. And and this is what Stoops said, and this is the excerpt in question. He said, quote, it's easy. He He was asked about changing the culture at Kentucky and all that good stuff. But he mentioned this. He said, quote, it's easy to change a climate. You just change a uniform, talk a little game, dance around, put on some stupid sunglasses, you can change a climate. But to change a culture is at the core. Now, when I first heard the clip, I, I didn't think much of it, right? I was like, I don't, I don't know that that's really a direct shot at Shane Beamer, right? But when you think back of when it was, the timing, right? Like, literally 24 hours prior, Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks had gone viral on social media for the Soldier Boy video, in which he did a dance, he put on shades, the whole nine. So, if it wasn't meant to be targeted at Shane Beamer, maybe it is the most happy coincidence of all time. However, I find that very hard to believe. Okay? That matchup in Lexington just got a little more interesting. And I'll just leave it at that. If we didn't want to beat Kentucky's ass before, well, guess what? Now there's even more of a reason to want to do so like we need anymore. (laughs) So there's that. Guys, let's get into your listener questions and we'll dive into our combo with Tim Hill. Krusty Andy says, thoughts on why Van isn't getting more love after what he did last season? I don't know. I, I really don't know Krusty Andy, and I'm not trying to sit here and say, you know, Josh Van is just, the, the he, he should be a first-teamer all-conference player, but I'm like, I'm seeing people put Antoine Wells on their all-conference team. And I'm just like, how? I, I mean, I love seeing one of our guys get the hype, but I'm like, how can you put Antoine Wells, a player who has never taken a snap in this league, how can you put him on an all-conference team and not put Josh Van on an all-conference team. I, I understand it's the new shiny toy. I understand the the upside of Wells Jr. I, again, I'm not hating on him at all. I think it's great. But I just say while we're doing that, while we're hyping this guy up, let's not forget about Josh Van. And let's give him the love and the respect that he most certainly deserves. KJ Gonzalez says, who will surprise people the most this year? Who will surprise the most, right? I think Van has high expectations. I think that Wells has high expectations. Rucker has high expectations. I think Amarion Brown still. For whatever reason, guys, I'm still a little bit of a believer in Amarion Brown. I think, you know, you're talking about a guy that was a freshman record setter at Georgia Tech, right? Broke Calvin Johnson's single-season freshman receiving touchdowns record. I still like to think that Amarion Brown can be used as a speedster to stretch the field. I want to believe that at least. So maybe Amarion Brown. I, if I got to pick 
let me just put it to you this way. Out of guys like Brooks, Leggett, Joyner, Brown, if I got to pick one guy out of that bunch to come out and surprise and be wide receiver four or wide receiver three, I'm siding with Amari and Brown out of that group. Uh, ben Smitty, 2017, says, do you think Step can turn one of our receivers into an all-SEC player? Yes, yes. I think out of Van and Wells, I think out of Van Wells and Rucker, one of those three is going to be an all-conference guy, or at least close to it. I, I think they'll be that type of player. Final question, Mike Cremato, three. What role do you see Brown and Leggett playing this year? Um, I think they're both contributors. I, I don't see either one of them being, you know, cracking the top two or three guys, but I think they're both contributors much more than they have so in years past. Um, I think, again, the addition of Spencer Rattler benefits greatly. I, I think his addition will greatly impact this group. I mean, you got to love it, right? You're a Gamecock receiver. You've got to love this, right? You didn't know who the hell was throwing you the ball on a weekly basis last year, and now you've got a guy like Rattler who can absolutely spin the rock and who can get it to you. So really excited to see uh, what those guys do. Again, you mentioned Brown. Look at those entire, that entire group, that entire group of receivers. Excited to see what they can do. A lot of potential, a lot of talent, but still questions, questions. We just got to see it pan out of the field, but still a lot of potential there. Um, guys, again, thank you so much. For the listener questions, always appreciate the banter. You guys always bring the heat. And my good friend Tim Hill, guys, in this combo, he always brings the heat as well. And it's one of those life comes full circle conversations, guys, because you might recall when I had Phil Cornblue on the show and I grew up listening to him on Sports Talk. And, you know, I would sit in the garage with my grandfather and listen to that show. So it was crazy sitting there talking to Phil Cornblue and having him on the show and being like, this is just wild, right? Like, like truly, life comes full circle. And it's just like one of those things you don't expect to happen. Sort of a similar feeling with Tim Hill. I recall being, you know, working in the corporate world and cutting on 107.5 the game on the app and or whenever I'd be in Columbia, and I would hear Tim Hill's voice. And so to be able to sit down and, and have casual conversation with him, really, really, really cool stuff. And I appreciate Tim Hill taking the time. Of course, guys, uh, as always, Tim Hill, this combo brought to you by... Very happy to once again have this ad read on the show. Marissa Kennedy of Colwell Banker, the best real estate agent in the local Columbia area. Guys, be sure you contact Marissa Kennedy, realtor and founding member of the Patrick O'Connor team with Colwell Banker. And guys, the proof is in the numbers in regards to why they're the best. This team helped with over 250 families last year. They work with both buyers and sellers in Columbia and the surrounding areas. They do premium advertising to sell your home faster with high-quality pictures and video. And last year, guys, they did they sold homes for on average 5.4% more than the competition. Now, right now, guys, we're in a seller's market, but Marissa's able to get buyers under contract and in new homes by being available to show homes as soon as they hit the market, collaborating with listing agents to write offers that meet the needs and the wants of the sellers, and keeping up clear communication throughout the entire process to ensure Sure that you make it to the closing table without a hitch. Guys, give Marissa a call today at 803-406-1800. That's 803-406-1800. Also, go like her Facebook page to stay up to date with all of her latest listings. That's at Marissa Kennedy Realtor, at Marissa Kennedy Realtor on Facebook. Again, guys, if you're in the market, you need to sell or buy a home. Be sure you check out Marissa Kennedy, Realtor and founding member of the Patrick O'Connor team with Colwell Banker and tell her that Chris from the Spurs Up show sent you. Guys, I'm out of here. Appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday and enjoy this conversation with Tim Hill. All right, guys, joining us in the Spurs Up show, very excited. You know, I've had these type of conversations before, and it's crazy when you go through, um, you know, a career in sports media or whatever you want to call this, right? And 
You talk to people that have been inspirational to you along the way. That's the type of conversation we have today. You guys might recall last year where I had folks on from Sports Talk and from other different entities today. We've got a man formerly of 107.5 The Game, a guy that I actually grew up listening to on local Columbia radio, talk about the Gamecocks, formerly of 107.5 The Game, currently the host of Tim Hill, unrestricted free agent. I'm sure many of you listening, you hear that name and you're very familiar with it already. His show streams live 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday on social media and available where podcasts can be found. I'll let him go into more detail on that. But very excited to chat with, again, the host of Tim Hill, unrestricted free agent, someone who is very much in tune with the pulse of the Gamecocks, Tim Hill. Tim, I appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much again for doing this. Chris, thanks for having me. Did you say, now I'm getting old and my hearing's not what it used to be. Did you say you grew up listening? Yes. I mean, a little bit like that. Yeah, I, I, I did. I did. I mean, I, I grew up listening to 107.5 The Game. So, I mean, again, I was uh, end of high school when you were just jumping on 107.5. I know that you came by the uh, the Alehouse event. We talked about this a little bit, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry to age you that way, but, uh, but uh, yeah, that's where we oh. are. Yeah. Man, I've never felt older. I'm glad I shaved right before this. Got some of the gray hairs out of the beard, so I feel. I, I, I thought I was getting younger today. Now I'm feeling older. Thanks for keeping my, in, keeping me in my place. I appreciate that, bro. You, you don't look a day over 25, man. Honestly, I, I mean, I, I mean, I, you see, you say you got a face for radio. I disagree. I, I think you were made for TV. Well, uh, I don't know if uh, WOLO in Columbia counts as TV if, at all, but I did that for a long time. Uh, but thank you. I think being able to talk about sports like we're able to do keeps us young. I would like to think that for sure. I might have aged a little bit in the last year or so, but uh, I think that's the only only reason why. And my wife keeps me young, obviously. Mm. Love that. Love that. Hey, shout out to the wifey. Hey, Tim, I, I want to spend the majority of this time, obviously, as we sit when we're talking 19 days away from kickoff. I want to spend the majority of this time talking about the Gamecocks. Of course, we're all excited for this season. I do want to say this, though, and I, I mentioned this to you a little bit off air, but I want to say that, first off, I appreciate you coming by Carolina Alehouse in Fort Mill for our TSUS tour. Obviously, you stopped by. It was great to meet you in person. Like I said, on a serious note, I remember back in the day, back in the day, if you will, listening to you when you were on 107.5 The Game and when I would tune into 107.5 before I was ever doing this, hearing your voice, and your voice was one of those that I looked to to inform me on the Gamecocks, everything going on listen to your opinion very in-depth. So, again, thank you. I, I know many of our, our listeners out there will say thank you for everything you did. But something I noticed about you, Tim, at the event, that, you know, my audience that was there, we had a solid crowd come out, but you were someone that, you know, I, I pride myself when I tell people that I speak with the fans, not to the fans. And I think sometimes you see people in media that try to be, like, above the fans and talk down to them. And, you know, especially people that have these call-in shows and that they take calls and interact. But they interact in which way, again, it feels like people are speaking to you, not speaking with you. And what really stood out to me, Tim, about you is, again, you know, people that were there that were that were fans of my show, <clears throat> fans of the Gamecocks, you took time out of your day to just conversate with them and ask them, Hey, how do you think South Carolina is going to do this year? How do you feel like the first game is going to go? How do you feel about this player, that player? And just have normal conversation. And that might be small to some. That might be even something you didn't recognize or realize. But it did stand out to me. And, and it made me feel even more so like Tim Hill is the guy I thought he was. So I, I just wanted to let you know I appreciated that and appreciated you just being just one of the guys. You know what I mean? I thought that was really cool. So so thank you, sir. I appreciate thank it. Oh, I appreciate thanks, it. man. Yeah, for sure. So, Tim, before, again, we get into the Gamecocks, there's a ton to discuss this season, tons of hype. Um, 
a lot of people have not heard from you in a while. They don't really know what went down last fall with the 107.5, the cumulus, I should say, fallout. And I'm just really curious as well. And I want to make this very clear. I'm not trying to turn this into some, some COVID debate, some political thing, but we're just going to have normal banter, normal conversation. I'm really just going to give you the floor because, again, I don't even really know all the details because I remember last season, one day we're all just sitting on social media and all of a sudden there's a video that comes from you saying, hey, like I no longer am employed by Cumulus. I no longer am at 107.5 the game. And it was just a really abrupt thing. And again, there were people that maybe, you know, you're on radio doing your thing. You become such a part of the normal daily lineup that, you know, people don't uh, don't think about it. They don't hear from you for a little bit, at least on social media. And they see this video and, you know, just all hell breaks loose. Right. So walk us through, give me an idea, just what happened, the fallout from that. I know that you were working for UPS as a driver. Now you have this new show. Cause I'm curious to hear just kind of this entire journey, man, because I mean, again, you, you, you took a stance, you know what I mean? Cumulus made their decision. You battled through it. You faced adversity. And again, now you're rocking with this new daily live show. I'm just really, really curious and intrigued to hear what the last couple of months or the last year, I should say the last year has been like for Tim Hill. It's been nuts, man. I don't know how to put it other another way than that. It has been the weirdest, strangest, most alien feeling year of my life by far, and nothing even compares. But I'll try to give you the abridged version. You just shut me up anytime you want me to stop yapping here. But we all got sent home for COVID to go work from home, right? Mm. I, I uh, Right before I got the, the full-time morning show gig, uh, at 107.5 The Game, I ended up moving from Columbia actually up to close to Fort Mill where you're near my house the other day. Why wouldn't I swing by and, and have a beer or so? But um, so I was commuting every day three for three and a half years. Then COVID hits March 2019, right? They send everybody home doing the show from home, which I would prefer not to do. Actually, I'd, I'd much prefer actually sitting in a room with someone and talking to them. But it was what it was. And then they're going to finally bring everybody back Labor Day last year, right? And then the variant hit, so they pushed that thing back a month or so, and then they put down this vaccine mandate. They were originally just going to bring everybody back. They said they encouraged vaccination, but that was it. But then they bring a, a vaccine mandate. I'm a Catholic guy, Chris. I, I am firmly pro-life and very much see the world from that viewpoint having fetal cells involved in production and development of this vaccine is a, is something that just goes against my belief system, my conscience, the whole thing, the process of a vaccine mandate, you can put in a religious exemption, exemption. You can put in a, uh, a medical exemption. I did put in the religious exemption, go back and forth with cumulus and they say they can't accommodate me basically saying that if I came to the studios, I would be too much of a threat not being vaccinated and they can't allow me to work from home because they've learned that best radio happens in person and a, a reasonable accommodation would not be be sitting here talking into a microphone like I did for a year and a half and you're fired. No severance, no nothing. So I never thought it would come to that, man. Like I put out in that little video, like I really thought we could come to a reasonable accommodation. And the worst case scenario would be I, I got to sit in my garage, ostracized from society and still be able to talk on, on radio and do the same gig that I've done for what, five years at that point. But that's not how they saw it. Um, I wouldn't, it, it wasn't a difficult decision for me. It was one that I, I knew I had to make the, 
the consequences of the decision have been very difficult. It meant not having a job, not knowing where to turn next to support my family of five. Uh, the most immediate thing that I did was get that UPS job around Christmas. Uh, my sister-in-law works for UPS, said, hey, you might want to do this. Did that uh, at the beginning of the year. That ended. So I was a substitute teacher for a few months in the Fort Mill School District. And that's how I um, did some part-time work. Then started up this new show slash podcast. I don't know what you call it. You're the expert on this thing. Uh, so <laughs> been having a lot of fun doing the unrestricted free agent thing for the last several months or so, trying to figure out the old internet broadcast world, which is a a, a new thing for sure. You know, I'd always kind of dabbled in it. I'd been in charge of doing a website attached to an old school legacy broadcast entity, right? First it was local TV, then local radio, but now doing it on my own. And that's the vehicle for uh, people to find you is, is a different deal, but it's fun. It's exciting. And I am just having a blast and let, uh, I would love to move on past my situation for sure. But I, I'm loving that we're sitting here in the middle of August and there is excitement and enthusiasm and optimism based in reality around Gamecock football. Yeah, Tim, I mean, it's yeah, crazy. Tim. And I, I've got a lot of respect for all different types of media. You know, I, obviously I'm in the podcast, social media type game, whatever you want to label. Like I, I like to think we're not in a box and that's exactly how I love it. But as far as radio and, and print and like true journalism and, and all these different types of entities, but it's crazy just to see, like you mentioned, it's like one day they can just pull the plug. And if you don't have that, that personal brand and that, that new age type of media. It's just like you're starting from ground zero pretty much, which is crazy to think because of the way that you built yourself up as a personality, not just in Columbia, but I would argue across the state of South Carolina. Um, we're going to dive into the Gamecocks. Just give me a little rundown of, and I want you to promote it as well, but the show you're currently doing now, um, again, I know it was a really tough thing that you went through, obviously, with the with the cumulus stuff, but you get through that, you fight through the adversity, and now Tim Hill, un, unrestricted free agent, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. What made you want to do that? I mean, I'm sure, again, you're, you're a creator, even when you're in radio. Like, you're obviously a creator. You have that yearning to express your opinion and your thoughts, and obviously, I, I would think, I mean, you, you love the Gamecocks, or at least you love talking about them, but what uh, what was the process like in regards to coming up with that and just getting that going and, and and certainly let everybody know about where they can find your show they can listen because uh you know obviously we're we're all about valuable gamecock content here and spreading the good word so I'd love for my listeners and audience to know just where they can find you because like I told you in Fort Mill man I feel like there's probably a lot of people tuned in that are hearing this conversation like oh there's Tim Hill they're like where did he go so I want to make sure everybody knows where they can find you and your content and your banter on a daily basis if you will. Appreciate that. TimHillUFA.com is the, the easiest place to go, UFA, just for the unrestricted free agent thing. Uh, it, it's crazy to me, too, because having always worked in radio and TV, like uh, saying me, 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 it's never been about me. It's always been about in, typically Gamecock football, game, basketball, baseball, whatever. I try to stay out of the way. That's that's a lot of the job from that perspective. And now telling people about the show and making sure they know where to go. I feel so gross, Chris, just gross. Put my, put my stupid name on the whole thing. It feels <laughs> terrible too, but there's already an unrestricted free agent show out there. You got to make it unique and the whole thing, but it's, it's on YouTube every, every day. It streams the video streams on YouTube, Twitter and Facebook from eight to 10 and then automatically archives there. So there's a YouTube channel as well. Tim Hill, unrestricted free agent. And then uh, the audio is live on Podbean, So you can get it eight to 10 live audio 
audio, just like you could radio, just click a button. And then after uh, the show's done, then it will, it automatically archives to the podcast platforms all over the place. So I, I, I feel like it's everywhere and I just always am telling people about it and it's annoying and it feels gross, but I appreciate you letting me get it out there. I understand though, like you were talking about that. Yeah. People just don't, don't know about it, may not know about it. It is, I feel, I still feel like Chris, I'm sure you can identify with this. We're educating people on how to get specific new age brands of media these days that it's, it's not all old school radio or TV. And it's, it's very simple. It's very simple to get and uh, convenient in, uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, and Tim, what's crazy, and I'm sure you've seen this, obviously, and this is not taken away from you or from even myself, because, you know, you can have all the talent in the world. You can be the best podcaster, the best radio host, the best personality, whatever. If you don't know how to promote it, it means nothing. So a, a lot of the people you see on social media are people that are that are big time, whatever. It, it's not even they may not be the most talented, but they're the best at creating content and ways in which they get themselves out there. So, again, that's not even I mean, I'm not taking away from myself, obviously, in, in regards to my talents as a content creator or yours as well. But I want to make sure people know where they can find Tim Hill. We're going to make sure that happens. All right, Tim, let's get to Gamecock football, right? Um Last season, Shane Beamer and company overachieved, get to seven wins, win the Mayo Bowl. You know, we talked about the quarterback position on the podcast last week. Four different players start at that position. Nine different players through a pass. Um, just give me your thoughts, again, on – we don't have to go as far back as the Shane Beamer hire and go in-depth on that, but just your thoughts last year going into year one, what you saw. Obviously, I'm sure you'd agree they overachieved. And uh, just overall thoughts on year one of the Shane Beamer era and coming out of that, now we have this, this optimism, this energy. You know, you pick up Spencer Rattler, obviously, in the transfer portal. But overall, year one, what were your thoughts on uh, the year they had going seven and six in his first season? Tremendous first season overall. But now the challenge is every August around Gamecock football, by and large, the challenge is to separate fact from fiction, right? What is uh, merited enthusiasm and optimism and what is just, you're ridiculous. Get get out of here. They're not going to win a national championship, dad. I have to tell my dad that every year, right? So this has been my whole life because he's, he's a Gamecock guy and, and that that's how I've grown up. But it, it, it is so good to be back here. I think I tweeted this out. You maybe originally uh, you, you put it out talking to crazy people, say 10 and 2. Like, I, I just love being back here as opposed to, hey, I don't even know if we should pull for our team to win because I don't like our coach. I don't like the feel around the program, the whole thing. And now going back and reevaluating Shane Beamer year number one, mm-hmm. tremendous wins. Florida, to me, the most important win he had by far. Auburn, huge. North Carolina has now ratcheted this thing up to another level, right? But there were also some very brutal games out there with Tennessee and Texas A&M barely beating East Carolina and not looking good against Troy, too. So it's, it's this constant balance of trying to be rational and reasonable moving forward, knowing that there is all that stuff about about the program, around the program that you're talking about. To me, it's almost more personality-based there was the results. There's no doubt. You, you go plus five in the win column, and especially the bowl win, but it's also who Shane Beamer is that has this thing rolling as much as it does, and maybe it's because we're coming off the Will Muschamp era as well and who he was that I think we're sitting right here in the middle of August. Yeah, Tim, it's like I said back to you on social media, too, that, you know, you said this is a great place to be in, and and I certainly agree, obviously, because, I, I you know, my, my business started to really pop off with the the fire will must champ stuff and the will must champ banter. And again, I know you and I had a lot of conversation when that was going down and uh, I much prefer this 
over that, certainly. And again, to have real hype and excitement and expectations. And it's funny, though, Tim, you talk about, you know, perspective, I think, is what you're preaching. And I really try to do that as well and inject perspective and keep things realistic. You know, for Gamecock fans, yes. For myself, yes. But also for Shane Beamer and not setting unfair expectations and just realizing what they did last year. Because it's funny, you see, you know, back in April, May, I feel like people are pretty grounded, pretty realistic. And as we go through the preseason, right, every month that passes, it's like people add another win, another win, till we get to August when it's like, we're winning 10. I mean, you got people calling a fine bomb, predicting an 11 and one season. It's like, come on. <laughs> Come on, guys. Um, either way, though, I think a lot of, of course, where that optimism is coming from, you add Spencer Rattler. Tim, again, you've seen, you've covered the Gamecocks for a very long time. You've seen a lot of big-time players come through Columbia. But Spencer Rattler, he steps foot on campus, and if you go off just recruiting rankings, he is the most talented signal caller to ever wear the garnet and black. And that's saying a lot when you think about the guys that have played that position. Your thoughts when they picked him up, because if I had told you, Tim, this time a year ago, hey, Spencer Rattler, that guy at Oklahoma, he's going to be wearing a South Carolina jersey next year. You would have said I was insane. Your thoughts just when they got him and the level of hype and excitement it drives for you going in this season because seven is is the guy under center this year. Wow. That, that was my first reaction. What? Wow what what did they tell him what how, how did that happen uh where is this going to go now like that marcus satterfield story that he told him that people think i suck and people think you suck let's figure this thing out together like that that is a, a tremendous selling point i get it but still you you mentioned people who have played quarterback for south carolina yeah there have been some pretty good ones but also 1989 is still the last time a game got quarterback than drafted Man, and so uh, anywhere close to a quarterback factory, South Carolina is not. Oklahoma certainly is. And to make that move, I know the, the pairing with Austin Stogner was huge in the tight end in the situation. It just shows me, I guess, how valuable relationships are just in life in general. It, it, and it went to another level with South Carolina football, Shane Beamer and Spencer Rattler, like you're talking about, man. And, and it's, it's going to be fascinating to watch. No matter how it goes, it's going to be fascinating. And the offense, Tim, moving into this season is what's getting all the attention as we sit less than three weeks away from kickoff. You mentioned Stogner. <clears throat> excuse me. You add guys like Antoine Wells, Christian Beal-Smith, Corey Rucker. You know, the offensive side has been juiced up, and you have all your returners. I think South Carolina ranks in the top of the SEC and in the country in returning production. I think you've got like 86% or 92% or something crazy, the amount of production that returns than all these additions led by Spencer Rattler. We're talking about an offense that ranked outside of the top 100 last year. <clears throat> and again, I mentioned all the problems under center at the quarterback position. And, you know, I just felt like personnel was an issue. And, and certainly Marcus Satterfield's no Steve Spurrier. He did not have a great year. Where do you sit on Satterfield and what are your expectations of the offense? I think 30 points per game would be a successful year. And I think it's very doable. But where do you fall in regards to looking at this current offense? Because there's a lot of optimism. There's a lot of hope. There's a lot of excitement. But will they be able to do it consistently on a week-in, week-out basis, especially when you look at something like the offensive line, which was so abysmal a year ago? But for most teams, when you're returning your entire two-deep and 129 starts up front, that would spell success. But in South Carolina's case, it's like how valuable is that experience when you look at what all those guys did last year? Where do you fall, where do you fall on the offense? Well, that offensive line thing, too, it's so crazy because they blocked Kevin Harris for a thousand plus yards the year before. Basically the same yeah. guys. Right. Yeah. Maybe one or two different. I don't know. I got no clue, man. But I, I know <laughs> if they look anything like last year, Marcus Satterfield won't be there this time next year. I know that that's that's obvious. It, 
And to me, it's less about numbers, points per game, yards per game, whatever, than it is about being able to win games, right? I, I, I don't think – I think Steve Spurrier proved that South Carolina is not important when it comes to offensive stats. It, 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 was, it might have been a little bit before your time, right? The Brad Scott era put up massive stats. Steve Tannehill put up some big-time stats. Even before that, the run and shoot with Sparky Woods. They, Todd Ellis put up some stats back in the day. But when you don't win games or the wins don't come with that, it doesn't matter. Like the Dylan Thompson 2014 year might be the best example of that, right? Dylan Thompson, the single, season, single passing season passing yard, passing record, yard right? record. And people hated Dylan Thompson. And you are a dumb fan if you blame Dylan Thompson for not winning those games. It was not his fault. They were pretty good on offense that year. Lorenzo Ward, I don't know what he was doing, and obviously lost his job because. So offensively, I expect marked improvement. you got to be a lot better than you were last year. Your personnel is a lot better than it was last year. How much better? I don't know what to expect, but I do know that th that is the spotlight. There's no doubt about it. That's what everybody is talking about and focused on. Uh, the defense and what Clayton White did last year was fantastic. Leading the SEC in turnovers, tremendous. The odds of doing that two years in a row ain't good, especially when Jalen Foster's not there and J.J. Nickbari and uh, a couple of other pieces that, right? And, and it doesn't seem like you've got an injection full of uh, talented guys on that side of the ball like you do on offense. So you better see a big-time improvement on offense or Gamecock fans are not going to be happy. I don't care how much you like Shane Beamer. Shane Beamer's not going to be happy if the offense isn't better either. And that, that is, to me, obviously the huge storyline going into the season. And, Tim, I'm so glad you bring that up because so many people I feel like are not – and I know offense is just more fun to talk about, right? It's more fun to talk about scoring points and the game is offensively driven. And, and, and I'm guilty of that. We're all guilty of that. It's more fun to talk about offense. But defense, what I think is so intriguing, and, and I'm not saying Clayton White. I love Clayton White, by the way. The, the guy did – I mean, he did wonders last year. I mean, I, I thought the secondary was going to be terrible. I thought the defense as a whole was just not going to be very good. And we're talking about a pass defense that ranked in the top ten nationally. Now, granted, was a lot of that because you couldn't stop anybody on the ground. You can argue it. But either way, those guys ranked in the top ten in pass defense, which if you'd have told me that before the year, I would have said you were crazy. But it's interesting to me how people are just making the assumption that, yep, defense is going to be, I don't know about elite, but defense is going to be top half the league. We're good on defensively. I think there are real concerns on that side of the ball because what's been interesting to me, Tim, is Shane Beamer has preached all preseason and summer about the defensive tackles. They're the deepest position group. you got all these guys. So <clears throat> if you're saying all that, I say, well, you better be better against the run. Like, there's just no excuse if you're going to vouch and, and pump these guys up all preseason long. But we're talking about a defensive line like you mentioned about the offensive line, right? And the line of scrimmage for me is where the questions, the biggest questions lie for this football team offensively and defensively. Because a lot of those guys on the D-line, they're back. It's just the same guys, right? Maybe you add a Nick Barrett and a TJ Sanders at tackle, but – it's pretty much the same starters and the same guys you had, same depth chart, whatever, that could not stop the run last year. Linebacker, extremely suspect. I feel like I've said that for the past five or six years for South Carolina. And in the secondary, listen, Cam Smith is an NFL guy, maybe a first-round caliber player. But anytime you lose a guy like a Jalen Foster that led your team six interceptions, I mean, we're talking about like Coach Simpson-esque numbers, the way he was a ball hawk. I don't care what type of NFL or pro guy he is at the college level. He was that ball hawk guy. I mean, anytime you lose that type of production, that type of player, and like you mentioned, Tim, I like Devonnie Reed a lot, but when you're reloading with guys from Central Michigan and Delaware and these other – it's, it's, it's a cause for concern. And my biggest thing with the defense, Tim, is this. 
you forced 24 turnovers a year ago. And you look at the season last year, a lot of those games, or some of those games at least, swung in your favor because you were on the right side of the turnover margin or you got big turnovers in key situations. Look at East Carolina. Look at Troy. Look at Vandy. I mean, you can even point to UNC. When you look at this defense, I, I, I feel pretty confident they're going to be about what they were last year. But do you have any major concerns when it comes defensively about everything I mentioned in regards to the turnovers? Because, yes, to be a good defense, and I think you're a good defense when you're, you know, a lot of it's coaching, but a lot of it's just right place, right time. And some of it's the ball bouncing your way. And that makes me feel a little bit uneasy to think, well, we just need to hope and pray the ball bounces our way yet again this season. I hear what you're saying there. I think Gamecock fans can be comforted that Jalen Foster wasn't a superstar guy right. this time right. last year. Nobody's right. talking about him. Nobody's feeling comfortable about him, I don't think. And then he turns into an All-American, literally, somehow. And to me, you got to give Clayton White and staff a bunch of credit there, Torian Gray, whoever you want to go to specifically. So I'm confident that they can probably do that again. But then I think back to the Will Muschamp era, right? That defense was a bunch better in year one under Will Muschamp and T-Rob. And then they were still pretty good in year number two. And then I don't know what the hell happened. Something something happened, right? And I have no idea what it was. But that's the fascinating part to me. The turnovers plus year number two of all offensive coordinators having film, having specific matchups with a guy who was new to the league last year in Clayton White and was a bit, I think, of a mystery. And will they figure him out that much more? What kind of adjustment will he make? I think the, the chess pieces are relatively similar and no more concerns than what you mentioned from where I'm sitting. But the, it's that chess match between the coaches is going to be the, the most fascinating part to me for Carolina defensively this year. Yeah, well, and I want to and I want to make I do trust I do trust I think the defense will be I'll say a strength again. I don't think it's going to be elite quite yet, but I I do. I think they earned that benefit of the doubt after year 1 of what they did with the guys they had. I would argue you have more talent on this year's defense and what's so exciting Tim getting into it is that you know, last year, and as you can tell, you mentioned it, there's still a lot of scar tissue left from the Mustang era. I think that's I think that's very clear and that's very evident, but this is not your typical year two. And what's so exciting this time of year, Tim, like you mentioned, you know, we're seeing all these crazy projections and predictions. Well, last year at this time, we were excited just because of the unknown. Thank God Will Muschamp's not the coach anymore. This is a new, fresh start. What's exciting is we sit here now less than three weeks from kick. We have real, I feel like, Tim, real on-field reason to be excited. Like, like, there are some real legitimate football players on this roster, guys who are going to play at the next level for the first time, like you mentioned, Tim, since 1989 or the 1990 NFL draft. You're going to have a quarterback selected in the draft, barring anything crazy happening this season. You added those offensive pieces. You have a defensive coordinator that proved last year he's going to do more with less, and he's got more than he had last year on a defense that was pretty damn solid. You look at this schedule and you look at this season. I'm locked in an eight and four, four and four in SEC play. I've gone on record and picked a big upset win over Clemson to close out the year, which I think most Gamecock fans are thrilled to see. Either way, though, you see most of the predictions are falling at seven and five, which I think is, I'm not going to say, I mean, I've said it's a safe pick. I think it's a pick where you say South Carolina is much improved. They're not terrible. They're not great. They play a tough schedule. Seven and five, which is a very fair prediction, by the way. And I think it's, it's, it's fairly accurate, right? Where do you fall on the Gamecocks this year? Are you willing to give a record prediction? I mean, what, what are your expectations? What would you deem a successful year? Because like you mentioned, we're getting to the point in the preseason where expectations are kind of getting a little bit crazy. And so I want to hear your thoughts because I know you're someone, you've watched a lot of Gamecock football. 
You've gone into a lot of seasons that have felt just like this one where the hype, the expectations are through the roof. And then in the SEC, reality sets in very quickly. You, you can't hide. Your, your deficiencies will be exposed very early on, especially when you play the likes of Arkansas week two in Fayetteville, Georgia week three. So where do you fall in this season? What are your expectations? And what would you deem a success in this year? Seven and five, numbers-wise. I think that's where it'll end up. But I think it will be, uh, what, six and six in the regular season last year. But there were a lot of uncompetitive losses there. I think that's where the improvement comes. You win one more game in the regular season, fans aren't going to love that, right? But if those five losses are a lot more competitive than what we saw against Clemson last year, Texas A&M last year, you can kind of go down the list in a lot of those. I think that's where you will see more of the improvement than where you will pull out certain games. Because, I mean, that, that Florida game last year is nuts. Beating Auburn again, pretty nuts. And then what that I still haven't figured out the North Carolina game, Chris. I was there in person. I saw it. It happened, but it still makes no sense to me in so many ways. To carry on, Jordan was nine for nine passing. That makes it just makes no sense to me. So the the odds of some of these things happening again to me are are pretty infinitesimal. And I go back to all these years that I've been watching Carolina football and thinking or feeling that it's going to be an improvement in certain ways, and then just knowing that reality of most of the time doesn't match that. And a lot of times that is wishful thinking in so many ways. This year, what I mean, the Spencer Rattler wild card is so high up there. I just, I just don't know how much one guy, how much difference one really important guy can make. I would love to think, and I get it, man. If you want to say 10 and two and Rattler's going to win you a bunch of games, God bless you. I just don't see that happening in reality. And to me, that gap, like the Tennessee gap last year, you're kidding me. That was that was massively embarrassing. I thought for Shane Beamer and company at the time. I still remember that. Like that happened. What Josh Heupel did with his offense was tremendous. So maybe Carolina can make a massive jump with a good quarterback and Marcus Satterfield being smarter in year number two. I don't know. So there are a lot of things that to me I will offer you are relatively reasonable or within the realm of expectation. But I'm I'm more of that safe kind of a more a level headed kind of thinking kind of guy. I would like to think so. So seven and five regular season is, is where I sit. Which I think, again, that's very fair. And a lot of what you mentioned, I do agree with you. A lot of it this year is how you win and how you lose versus just the record. Because, again, like you mentioned, you went 6-6 six and six last year in the regular season. Before that bowl game, there aren't many that were willing to brag about that 6-6 six and six because a lot of it, last-second field goal to beat ECU, one-point victory over Vandy, single-digit win over Troy. I think this year, to your point, if you go 7-5, and five, but in your, your non-conference, you have blowout wins. You, you beat Vandy the way you're supposed to. Let's say you beat Mizzou by a double digits. Like, you feel a lot better about that 7-5. and five. And I agree with you, man. 7-5 and five with a chance to win an eighth in a bowl game, that's a successful that's a year. Success. Again, you have to stress, Again, you have it, to is, stress it is two. And you're going to have to pull out a win there where you're not supposed to win a game, right? Uh, a lot like you did last year in three games, <clears throat> Auburn, Florida, North Carolina, but you still Kentucky possibility. Like, Missouri beat South Carolina last year, right? I mean, no one in Missouri thinks three they straight, shouldn't beat South Carolina. Yeah, three no straight, one in Missouri right now thinks that they shouldn't beat South Carolina. Same with Kentucky. Same with Florida. Same with Tennessee. So you're going to have to win one or two of those games just to get to seven and five, in my mind. So anything past that is, is a stretch. Tim, this has been a pleasure, man. I appreciate it. Hey, let people know one more time. Tim Hill, unrestricted free agent. Let people know where they can catch your show every day, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, Monday to Friday. Monday to Friday. 
TimHillUFA.com is the website. You can find the YouTube channel as well. Would love a subscription there. The Tim Hill Unrestricted Free Agent and all over the social media, all over that place. You're much better at this stuff than me, Chris. Much appreciated, man. Thanks for uh, having uh, thanks for having me on. Loved getting out with you. You guys go see Chris at the Ale House. He's hopping all over the state, man. Why wouldn't you go out and have a beer and talk Incock football, man? Tim, I appreciate it, man. And I appreciate, again, your love and support. And I, I apologize for aging you at the beginning of the show, but I will say you are someone that was a staple for me uh, coming up as a young Gamecock fan. And so it's one of those crazy life comes full circle. You just, there's some things in, in life and when you're on a journey and you're, you're following your passion, you can't predict. And this is certainly one of them. And again, it's an honor to chat with you. So let's definitely chat again soon. I appreciate it again. You guys go check out Tim Hill, Tim Hill, unrestricted free agent, his show. I know that I will be tuning in. Uh, for Tim Hill, I'm uh, Chris Holmes. Tim- we appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. 